You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do not have any new callers. Um, I do want to say before this kicks off, though, because usually I let you guys talk about whatever, and then I don't get a chance to talk about stuff. So, real quick, Omar, just so you know, I just finished uh, the Chinatown movie. I forget exactly what the heck that was called, but um, it's awful. But it's awful in every way that you would expect some cheesy 80s movie to be awful. And also, I kind of get where some of the characters come from. I mean, Raiden is the only one that seems obvious. I mean, he's got the hat and the lightning and all that stuff. The rest of them, I'm kind of guessing. Like, is, is Kurt Russell Cage? Like, Johnny Cage or whatever? And then, like, his sidekick would be Liu Kang, and Green-Eyed Lady would be, uh, what's her name? I have no idea where Scorpion and, uh, and uh, what's McCullough come from. I'm guessing that's just added i i don't know but it's pretty it's it's pretty good it was it was enjoyable in how horrible it was i think anyways with that take it away hey ryan steve up in alaska how's it going good uh been a been a nice couple of days up here actually got a little little bit of time to relax today you know being a private business owner and owning your own thing you're always on the go and never seems to stop but today's going to be a little day where i get to hang out um Calling it because of you that called and, and mentioned about smoked meatloaf. Uh, yeah. yeah, dude, you got to do that. I've, I've used the, my smoker for doing them. Oh, man, it is the most delicious thing. Um, I know he didn't say anything about how to make them. Uh, of course, you're not putting it in a pan because you put, put it in a pan. You know, the smoke won't be able right. to get to That's the whole nice. meatloaf. So what I do is I make individual-sized little meatloaf, about two-thirds, three-quarters of a pound a piece. You know, and I kind of form them into a football type shape, you know, a little flat in the middle, and then you just set them on your rack. And I put the bacon right on top of it and let the bacon get smoked with bacon. them. There you go. Um, I do them at about 265. They take about two hours, so about an hour and a half in. I'll go in and I'll put whatever my my topping is. I use a I use a ketchup based topping, okay. but uh, I add stuff to it. I season it up with uh, 
Steve Pace and whatnot. I listen to it to give it some more flavor so it's not just ketchup. Right. Um, but yeah, and then let that go for like about half an hour so that can kind of set itself up and, and, and cook itself on top. And yeah, dude, they come out great. They got a nice little smoke ring in them. They're almost like a sausage. They're so delicious. But, um, yeah, football wise, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to this season starting. I'm getting, I'm getting pretty anxious. Um, had a Detroit Lions fan actually stopped at my trailer a week or so ago. And, uh, unlike, you know, Bears fans and all that, he, he was pretty, he was pretty straight and honest about it. He's like, man, it's, it's just been yours to being jealous. Yeah. <laughs> when he's so, he's so hoping that we don't get another guy because they've been jealous of us for so long. Yeah. Which kind of makes me laugh because they had Matt Stafford and Matt Stafford was a good quarterback. Yeah, you know, solid. had some flaws in some places, but he was a damn good quarterback. I don't know why they never put a team around him to get him in the playoffs. That is kind of crazy because you, you could at least put Matt Stafford in a Kirk Cousins tier. Why couldn't they have been like the Vikings? Like just that solid number two team, you know, maybe on, on a catch the Packers on a down year and and win the division, which has happened. Um, I mean, and they've they've always had a better quarterback than the Bears, and the Bears have still always ended up ahead of them. It's not like they've had nothing. I mean, yeah, maybe they were better when Calvin Johnson was here or whatever. But that is that it's really kind of staggering. I'm I'm tempted to go back and just look at like what did you do all these years? And you know they had high picks. I mean, I, I I guess they wasted a bunch of their early picks on tight ends, which was stupid. I'm trying to remember what else they did. Probably linebackers, right? Didn't they get uh, – I know they invested at least one linebacker, including the one from this year, and then a running back, which is part of the issue. It seems like the old Lions are coming back. Like, what are some, some positions that aren't uh, super important to winning a Super Bowl? Oh, I know, running back and linebacker. Okay, great. But, yeah, it's, that is staggering how bad they've been for, for that long with having – a competent quarterback. It's crazy. But yeah, it's 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 getting close. You know, I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. I can hear it in your voice whenever you talk on the show that you're pretty excited about it too. Yeah. Um hopefully uh hopefully we have a good season. My my look at this year, I'd I'd you know, I'd be really, really happy if we got eleven wins. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But my guess on it is we're gonna be about, you know, a nine win team, which ain't great, you know. It's not the best thing in the world, but it gets us above above 500. And as long as everybody looks like they're playing well, it, it's just a year of getting the team organized and getting them straightened out so everybody knows their place. Um, so I'd be happy with that. But we'll catch you all later. JD, bye. I'm still stunned by that Lions thing. It's like I never really recognize that because there's a lot of teams that suck forever, but they can never find quarterbacks. You know, like the Browns were just terrible forever. And then they went and got Baker, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's decent. So then they start winning games, and they're, like, pushing for playoffs and everything else. The Jets, they just can't get a quarterback. All these teams, they they can't get a quarterback, and then as soon as they do, they can do something. Like the Titans got Ryan Tannehill, and they're like, oh, they're an AFC powerhouse now. You know, the Texans were a joke. They got Deshaun Watson, their playoff team. Miami struggles for a while. They get two up, boom, playoff team. The Lions have had Matt Stafford, who, by the way, went to L.A. and won a Super Bowl. I mean, has there ever been another team like that? That is just bottom of the barrel for decades and has had a quarterback almost the entire time? I mean, even you look at, like, the, the Andy Dalton years. They went to the playoffs with Dalton. And, and even when they didn't, they were stuck, like, in the middle. They were kind of like that at, like, the 13th, 14th pick. I mean, yeah, you're, I'm not saying you're going to win a Super Bowl. That's not the point. It's just how are you one of the worst teams in football? Every year, and you have a quarterback. How does that happen? Has there ever been an example of that? 
Aside from the lions, there has to be something, right? What would be the closest example now? So, Buffalo and Miami are playoff caliber teams. Uh, Mac Jones is not good. The Jets haven't had a quarterback. The Jaguars got a quarterback and immediately went into the playoffs. Tennessee, we already talked about that. Colts don't have a, a quarterback. Texans don't have a quarterback. We'll see about this year. Uh, Bengals got a quarterback and immediately are fighting for a Super Bowl. Uh, Baltimore, the second they got Lamar, their playoff team. Pittsburgh, I mean, they're they're basically borderline playoff team even without a quarterback. We'll see what happens this year. Cleveland, we already talked about. The Chiefs got a quarterback, immediately winning Super Bowls. Chargers, maybe, but they won 10 games last year, so that's not the same thing. Um, maybe like the Raiders with Carr, kind of. Are they as bad as the Lions over these years? Maybe that's somewhat comparable. But, um, yeah, that's, that's crazy how terrible they've been. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's been another, I mean, you could, you can't even say Eli, they won a Super Bowl and then they've, they've gone back to the the playoffs with the Giants over the years. Cowboys are a perennial playoff team, won 12 games last year. I, I, yeah, the, the only thing I could think is like the Raiders and, and Carr, and I'm guessing the Raiders have been a better team than the Lions during the Stafford years. Blows my mind. Um. And then as far as the season, I'm I'm inclined to take Vegas at their word. I mean, look, I played this game last year. Everyone's like, the Packers are about to fall off. And I'm like, nah, you guys are overstating this Devontae Adams thing. It's not going to be that bad. And look what happened. Now, again, maybe it's the broken thumb thing. Maybe it's who knows a bunch of other things. I, I really don't know. But we were all warned last year was going to be a bad year. We all said, no, you're all idiots. That's not going to happen. And it was a pretty bad year. So fine, I'll take it as a blind spot. The Packers are going to be um bad and if they say seven and a half victories then then i guess that's the benchmark and we'll see where we go from there if we're under seven and a half then we're worse than everybody thought and if we're above seven and a half then i guess we're better than everybody thought but i'm gonna try to not have expectations one way or another take vegas at their word for it we are probably fourth in division seven and a half victories fair enough let's see how this thing unfolds i've, I've said my piece about what makes sense to me and specifically, very specifically, what doesn't make sense to me. But with all that said, there's way more variables that I can't account for than, I, than what I can account for. Vegas, obviously pretty smart people over there. So fine, seven and a half is what you say. We'll see how she goes. Hey, Ryan. I was at the beach uh, for a week, so I'm getting caught up way behind. Um, I'm listening right now, and Omar, the firefighter, also from Virginia, um, is recommending the cleaning lady. And you like seem all about it, and oh, yeah, I'm very offended because I recommended cleaning lady months ago. So you know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe his recommendations go higher. In the Clearly not, because he recommended it, and I still forgot about it. So maybe the third time, or fourth time, or fifth time will be the charm when I actually remember and do it. Pack daddy bank than mine do, but uh, anyway, I just we're in this no man's land right now. Like there is nothing happening. I just want training camp to start my. My shareholder tickets for me and my son came in the mail. And I'm like, oh, nice. man, I'd love to go up for that at training camp. But it's, like, very far away. Not happening this year. So, anyway, just waiting for any football to start. Go back, go. Yeah, I honestly contemplated it. Um, and it's one of those things I was just thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, and basically the time has come and gone. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess I'm not going, but... Um, 
but we've been telling my daughter that we're going to go to a hotel pretty soon just for a little mini weekend getaway. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool. Get a hotel up in the Green Bay area. Go to see the shareholders meeting. I've never gone to it. Last year was my first time being an owner. And so this is year two. It'd be kind of cool to go up there. I got the tickets and whatnot. Go hang out. And then, um, yeah, like I said, time just came and went and I didn't do it. But someday... And yes, very much just excited for football to get started. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good. How are you? Hope you're doing well. I am. Um, this is Aaron, obviously, as I've called before. Anyways, so I'm doing – I know that we just uh, signed Mr. Magoo, yeah. and I am doing the responsible thing as a responsible fan of just watching highlights, right? And yeah. so in doing so – I found out a couple things, is that the level of the USFL is not to the level of the NFL. So, what? even if he looks pretty good... That's fake. He's, it's different competition. No. And the next thing I noticed, well, I should say he does look pretty good in these highlights, but oh, that's just highlights. Anyway, the next thing I noticed is that he's throwing to Jace Sternberger. <laughs> you stop it now. So... One thing that tells me is that, like I said before, the level of competition that he's going against isn't top-notch. Mm -hmm. But also the level of people that he's throwing to are people, a third round, a Packers third round curse players. And because Jay Sternberger kept coming up in the highlights. And it's just like, he can be impressive in the USFL. I'm not hating on the guy. I hope he does well. If he can come in and at least and like show that he deserves a spot as like a backup, but it's just I he might look really really good, but I don't think Mr. Magoo is up to scratch with NFL. And no matter what highlights say, because highlights are just that um, highlights and. Which got me also thinking, wouldn't it be great if there was like a YouTube channel that put together all of a player's low lights? So that way you kind of had a yep. w- like better representation of kind of all around what are you getting with them. Um, which I don't have time and or the will to put in together a YouTube channel of low lights. Um, but anyway, so that's just what I was getting from watching the highlights of Mr. Magoo. Um, I wish him the best, but to think he's going to be anything other than a camp arm is kind of crazy. But I've, but there's I've seen fans blowing up that are like, he's way better than Jordan Love. If you watched the USFL, you'd understand. And I don't understand the perspective. I don't either. If you think that the USFL is the NFL, then you don't understand and I'm sorry, but your opinion sucks. Um, but you're entitled to it all the same. Anyways, so go pack, go training camp soon. Shalom. Well, I mean, you, yeah, you you just said it. Not only was Magoo the MVP, you know who probably the best weapon in the entire USFL was? It was probably Jay Sternberger. I mean, the, the guy who had more highlights than anybody else. You got Jay Sternberger running wide open, getting 50 billion touchdowns. How does that not tell you something? And the reality is a lot of people are going to look at that and say, see, we missed out on him. We should bring him back. I bet he's real good. You're completely not understanding this. The level of competition is so low that a third-round pick on a team that does not like to give up on draft picks pretty quickly gave up on him 
and he's completely out of the NFL. It's not like the Packers just missed and, and he gets picked up by another team and he dominates over there. He tried it in the NFL. He can't make it here. He's not good enough to be the third tight end on the team with the worst tight ends in the entire NFL. And yet he is the best weapon, period. Wide receivers, running backs, etc., etc. I, I, I might be slightly mistaken on that, but I don't think so. Um, the best, period, in the USFL. It's not a matter of, oh, wow, I guess the NFL got it wrong. The USFL competition level is just that low. That's how low it is. And again, this, this reminds me, we, we went through this before. We got a wide receiver from, college, uh, from uh, Canadian football, Canadian Football League. He was the, the first or second best wide receiver in the entire league, right? Highlights galore, stats through the roof. He was, uh, I think he was really tall and fast and all that stuff. And, and everybody was excited. Like, dude, this guy's a freak. He's going to be so good. He didn't make the team. He, he wasn't good. Canadian football is just that bad. I shouldn't even say it's that bad. It's, we're not understanding the elite caliber that the NFL is. We're not rightly understanding that, right? You can go play in the Canadian Football League and be the best in the entire league by a mile. And you can't even get a freaking practice squad spot in the NFL. The, the, the level of competition is so freaking unbelievably high. So high. So when, when we get into these arguments about, well, Magoo is this, Magoo... Magoo has a... So, so he graduated from the USFL, right? The top person... And this is basically how I view it. The top person in the USFL is the bottom person in the NFL. He has to prove that he can be the worst person in the NFL first. Prove that you can even be that. And by worst, I mean like person that actually has earned a spot, but is like the worst of anybody that's in there. That's what you, you got to pr- first prove that you even belong in the NFL period. That's your first step. And he may be able to do that. And who knows, maybe he did like become, learn a bunch of stuff and all that, but you got to prove that first. Let these guys demonstrate that to you. Because dominating one of these leagues means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Let him come in here, let him play, and let him demonstrate that he isn't just the worst in the NFL, that maybe he actually could be a backup. But until he starts throwing passes and actually impressing people, which, you know, what's going to be annoying is he is going to impress people. I saw somebody made a comment, and I, I almost commented on it, but I'm like, this is just going to turn into an argument. It's not worth it. But it's like, I can't wait to watch him dominate the preseason. And my immediate thought was, well, he will, because he's the fourth-string quarterback. He's going to be going up against fourth-string defenses. This is why every single year, and not just the Packers, this is common among all fan bases, the bottom-of-the-barrel quarterbacks always get the most praise. Because they carve everybody up. And it's like, oh man, our third string quarterback's like better than our secretary. He's better than our starter. <laughs> no, dude, they're just playing bad competition against vanilla defenses, right? It's vanilla defense with third stringers. Well, he's playing with third stringers. Yeah, and the third stringers are running wide open. Okay? So knock it off. Hey, it's Jimmy. Hey. Um, so I realize I haven't waited on this. Um, I know everybody's like, Dude, Jimmy, what's, what, what is he going to say? What does Jimmy think? Yeah. So I feel like, here we go. Okay. This is my total wins for the season. I'm going 12 wins. And, uh, I really, really wanted to say 13 because I'm, you know, an idiot, but whatever. 
because uh, I want to believe that they're going to get back to um, to Lafleur's 13 win ways. And last year it was just a hiccup. Um, but I looked at the schedule again, tried to do it with some sober eyes. I think there's going to be a three-game losing streak in the middle of the season, right around the Chiefs. You know, like I think the Chiefs and two games before that, and uh, and I'm going 12 and five. Uh, also, I just want to say, as I'm sitting out here on this beautiful, perfect morning mm-hmm. outside enjoying the sunshine, I just want to remind everybody, because I think it's so easy. I do this all the time. I forget to, like, appreciate when you get to walk outside in Wisconsin and just just enjoy the weather. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you wait all winter for that feeling where you can walk outside and not tense up, you know, and just feel good and feel the sunshine. And even if it's a little too hot, I know you've been talking about soaking up the heat. I think mm-hmm. you've been talking about that. Uh, cause you hate the winter so much and I get that too. Like that's, so you get it probably, but it's just a public service announcement. Everybody take a moment, soak it in. Remember what this is, you know, keep this, this feeling really present because winter hits and, this is what you got to harken back to. And it's just so easy after you get like into, you know, the third month of relatively like gorgeous weather to like take it for granted. And so at this moment, I was not. So I thought I would pass that along. Uh, so I got today. Jimmy out. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I, I like I said before, I, I hate winter so much. I, I never allow myself to hate the heat. Like lately, so the, the heat is fantastic. Like I, I love. I, I'm. I always feel like I. One of these days, I'm going to move down to Florida or something. I probably should go to Arizona, because the dry heat. I'll take all of that, dude. Hundred degrees and no humidity. That just feels good. It just relaxes your muscles and everything else. But lately, it's been. I don't even know. Probably not even that hot. But it's been very humid, and the humidity definitely sucks. Um, but even that, I won't allow myself to be upset about it. As soon as I start thinking like, oh, it's a little uncomfortable, it's like, dude, this feels amazing. It's not cold out. You're in a t-shirt and shorts outside about to grill a pork tenderloin. I don't want to hear any complaining because this is amazing. You don't even have socks or shoes on. You're just walking around in your grass, which is a little little stiff because we've been lacking rain, but, um, you know, no complaining allowed, so immediately that voice goes on in the back of my head. I don't want to hear it. And immediately it's like, yep, I get it. I'm, I'll shut up. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, another pretty optimistic uh, win total there. So that's tied with Eli, who said also 12 wins. Wayne with 17 is still the most optimistic. The lowest we have is eight wins from Ken and eight and a half from Dakota. Otherwise, double digits across the board. Craig 10, Steve 10, Kyle 10. Chris in Alabama, 10 and a half. Jimmy, 12. Eli, 12. Wayne, 17. Hey, Ryan. What up? It's hey. uh, Seth over here. I haven't called for a bit. It's been busy and um, vacations and uh, being uh, being in dad mode. My time off work taking care of baby. It's actually, I'm, I'm dead serious. I love my son, so don't take this the wrong way. But <laughs> watching a kid full time is harder work than my job. And my job is pretty hard work. So, anyways, must, you, I've been meaning to call in about a few things now that I've killed. You must not own a television. Uh, 40 seconds. Um, first one is this whole hot dog stuff. I agree on everything you said. Wow. Just for just a little, uh, or a hot dog to try if I run Kirkland, 
brand, which is Costco, makes them mm-hmm. all beef hot dogs, and they are dang delicious. They sell the, uh, like, another probably about a foot long, the ones that they also sell at the front when you check out, and they're so good. So that's been my go-to hot dog for the last, like, six months. We just got a Costco in my uh, town, so. A um, couple other things. Now I'm going to have a totally lose my train of thought. Um, but on all the Jordan Love stuff, and um, I agree with all the stuff that's been um, been said about, they, they you said about, you know, people don't understand the math behind we've already hit twice and all of that. Um, so I agree with all of that. Good. Oh, crap. I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> Okie doke. Kid emergency, I guess. Hey, Ryan. Seth again. Sorry about that. Um, I was starting to talk about Jordan Love. So, anyways, I just had a couple uh, comments, and you've probably said them at some point over the last few months since uh, we have to kind of beat a dead horse here since, well, we don't have any football yet, yeah, and right. everybody what else is keeps to trying to talk down Jordan Love. But, Kick the crap out of dead horses. I mean, that's the only thing I can come up with. Anyways, a couple of things that drive me crazy right now is, one, people are like, He's been in the league for three years and hasn't even been able to be a starter. That's that's the dumbest freaking thing in the world. I mean, it, it's it's legitimately either people that are just really, really unintelligent or people that are really, really dishonest. Those are the only two people that have ever said that. Like, well, duh, you idiots. He's been sitting behind Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers who won two MVPs. Uh-huh. And then they're like, and those same people are like, you know, railing on us for getting rid of Rodgers and that we're going to suck us into love. Well, what is it? Is it... Love sat behind Rodgers because Rodgers is good, or Love should have been starting for the last three years. I I don't understand. They can't. They're just trying to drag down Love without any concrete info. But anyways, it drives me crazy. Um, The other reason it drives me crazy is all the draft people were saying, best raw talent in the draft but needs some time to sit. That's exactly what he did. He sat for three years behind one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for two of those years was the best quarterback in the NFL since he won MVP. And so, in my opinion, Love's in the best situation possible. He, great quarterback coach. His offensive coach is a head, uh, is a quarterback guru. And he sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. So all those things they said he needed to do, he's done. So, um, if Love's going to succeed, he's been given every chance to have a great year this year. And so, um, I just hope he goes out and tears it up and, I'm glad you're keeping receipts. I'm too busy to do that, but I can't wait for you to shove it down to all those Bears and Vikings fans and whatnot, and I'll be sure to repost and like and laugh at everything you tweet at them. So um, one other thought I had was... um, Before you get too far into it, first of all, I hope I don't have to just delete the whole folder. If the Packers are winning, you're going to want to follow me on Twitter or whatever this thing is called now. It's throwing me off. Like, I really didn't think it was that big of a deal that it's like, oh, Twitter isn't Twitter. Like, I don't freaking care what you call it. It's the same thing. But now I see that little X up in the the top thing, and I'm like, what the heck am I looking at? It is kind of cool, though, that it turns, like, the tip of the X is red when you have a notification or something. Is that what that is? I don't, I don't know. Anyways, it's kind of crazy. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, you're going to want to follow me on the X the X thing if the Packers are are real good. Otherwise, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But as far as Jordan Love, again, there was there was a lot of talk about Jordan and whether people liked or disliked. Most people said he was a first-round pick. Some said second. I think some probably were maybe outside of second. I don't think so, though. I don't think anybody had him outside the top 50, really. I don't think anyone had him outside the top 64. But take any of these people. 
and say, okay, so you've got them 50th, you've got them 30th, you've got them 20th. You know, some people, again, had them up there with or possibly better than Herbert. What if you had asked them the question, okay, fine, you take Herbert over Love, fair enough. What if I told you Jordan Love had three years to sit behind Aaron Rodgers? Would you take that, Jordan Love, or now do you want Herbert? Because remember, just like you said, the big knock on him is he's a developmental guy. A lot of people don't want developmental, so that's going to move you down the board. If he's consensus 24, well, he's already paid the toll. He's already sad, he's already learned, and he's learned in the best possible environment he, he could. Where would he be if you simply reset his age and ran that draft back again? I'm thinking he's probably top 10. But now that we're here, now that it's arrived and everyone should be excited, it's it's just a whole big, he's going to be garbage because he couldn't beat out Rodgers or something. I have no idea. Not only do people, like you said, forget that Jordan Love was a first-round pick, um, people also forget his intangibles, um, or his measurables, maybe I should say. But his hand size, bigger than Aaron Rodgers, just as fast as Aaron Rodgers, um, one of the strongest arms in the draft, taller than Aaron Rodgers. Um, so all of these things, and I'm using Aaron Rodgers as an example because Aaron Rodgers has a lot of good measurables. People forget about that stuff too. He's not five foot four, Bryce Young. Um, but anyways, so I don't know. I'm just gonna keep ranting. But those are some thoughts. All right, talk to you later. Well, right, and that kind of gets into the other part of it, right? Because everyone's, well, he's so bad, he's so terrible. Why then was he a consensus first round pick? You can pretend he wasn't if you want. Fine. He was very obviously a first or second round pick. If you think wrongly, because, I mean, it's pretty easy to run the math on it, if you think wrongly, most people thought he was a second round pick, then explain it to me. Why was he even a second round pick? It's crazy to me that he was a first or second round pick that has sat behind Rodgers for three years, and somehow we don't believe in the guy. Considering the guy that was drafted after him at quarterback was just in the Super Bowl. But again, all shall be revealed in due time. Hey, Ryan, this is Andy in Kansas. Hi. So I wonder what this in-season sideline narrative of the TV camera is going to look like this year. You know what I'm talking about. We've talked about this before. The narrative of anytime something goes wrong, the camera pans over to Rogers. He's got this scowl on his face of how come you idiots don't do what I want you to do, but he's not there now. So what's the camera going to look at? Is it going to look at Jordan Love? Is it going to look at Matt LaFleur? I'm really kind of curious only because I think the narrative of look how angry Rogers has really played a huge part in how we actually view him. We have very little idea how many other scowling faces are on that sideline when things go wrong or how many cheering faces are on the sideline when, when things uh, go right. I wouldn't mind a lot of Aaron Jones with his uh, sunglasses. Uh, that would be a pretty good narrative. That should bring a lot of light back to the Packers. Uh, so I'm curious about that. Uh, secondly, um, is I think you said it right when you said Matt LaFleur or Jordan Love. I think that's generally, you know, if a pass goes errant, you're going to put it on the receiver and the quarterback. That's just where it goes. Occasionally it'll go to the the coach. So I don't necessarily know that that'll change. Now, if there's a touchdown, is the camera going to be all over the place looking at whoever? Yeah, probably, just like it did before. I, in other words, I don't think anything's going to change. I just think the camera will go from, instead of Aaron Rodgers, it'll be Jordan Love now and... I'm guessing less scowling, screaming, swearing, but again, we'll see how Jordan Love decides to settle into things. 
maybe he really liked that uh, aspect of Rogers' game and decides that uh, the team needs a little bit of that and we'll get more of the same. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Jordan Love going to be more of the gunslinger type, the Brett Favre type, not the interceptions, please. Or is he going to be um, a lot more of the uh, um, uh, precise, the uh, precision type, and the playing with a chip on his shoulder uh, type like Aaron Rodgers was? I really have no idea which which of the two he's more like. I don't expect him to be like exactly like either one of them, obviously, but which one does he shade uh, more toward? Because uh, really, he could he could trade towards either. To be honest, in the, in the three years of of uh, trying to develop him and him just probably hearing a lot of negativity uh, from the media and from other uh, people. So just curious about that one. Thanks. Bye. I think what the team wants him to be, and what I think Jordan is going to try to be, is this robot that operates from within the pocket. That when needed will be able to sort of break the pocket and make some kind of a big play. And and I think we've already seen that, right? He mostly just st- stayed in the pocket and operated and distributed in that Philly game. But we've also seen, you know, like that play to whatever running back that was, I think, in the preseason where he threw the ball, you know, to the guy who was right there at the end of the end zone, should have been caught for a touchdown, should have been an unbelievable highlight reel, but of course nobody can friggin' catch. Um his ability to break the pocket and throw off the back foot and make that play when needed. But um, I don't think anybody's really hoping for this sort of gunslinger just trying to make plays. I do think Jordan Love kind of has that mentality to him a little bit, at least the way that he talks. He wants to be that guy. He wants to make that play. But I think that needs to be reined in to some degree. Like, all right, I get it, and the plays will come. But in the meantime, just freaking calm down, all right? So we'll see. We'll see if he can kind of rein that in and try to just stick to the offense at hand and, and only rely on that when, first of all, either we, we call the play or the play is there, you know, a deep shot, whatever, or when things break down and we need that that aspect. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. Uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministries, another thing you can check out. And please don't forget grassfedcooperative.com. Use promo code PACKER10, P-A-C-K-E-R-1-0. Probably should use a capital P because they did, but I don't know if it matters. Take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, what's up, Brian Clayton here. Um, hopefully this equipment isn't too loud. Just wanted to drop a quick line to you. Check this out. For the theme song, and I usually don't do this type of stuff. <laughs> Imagine we score a touchdown. Russian touchdown by Jordan Love. Beat bomb from Love to Reed or Watson or whoever. Um, play action boot. Thread the needle on a little little drift concept. Watson takes it another 60 yards for a touchdown. And we blast through the entire stadium, all through Lambeau Field. Love Shack. Get that tune. See what you think. But I think that's freaking brilliant. I mean, Love Shack kind of has that roll-out-the-barrel vibe to it. It's it's a cheesy, fun song. I think it's a great way to embrace Jordan Love. Like, this is his house, you know what I mean? I also think it'd be a great way to throw it in everybody's face. And I, I wish the Bears game was in Lambeau the first week, but it isn't. But just imagine if it was. Talking all that trash, this guy's going to be terrible. The scenario that Clayton just laid out happens, and right in your face they blast Love Shack. I think that'd be amazing. Now, I'll, I'll, I, I, maybe we give it a grace period before we go investing too much into it, but if this year goes fantastic, we get into the playoffs, this is 100% our dude, we got to push real, real, real hard that Love Shack becomes a thing because that is that's perfect. Hey, Ryan, it's Seth. I am listening to the uh, running back podcast. And thought I'd comment on that. Um, where do we agree completely? I just had a couple of thoughts that you either didn't mention or haven't mentioned yet. I'm still working on getting through the podcast, but um, those thoughts are if the running backs aren't happy with what they're getting paid and they can't make it through a second contract or they're not viable after their first contract, in my mind, it's pretty clear who, who they need to fight with if they're not happy with um, what they're getting paid and that is they need to work on it with their agents and also the players association um, if the players association deems that they should be you know getting compensated differently based on their position and length in the league and all of that then um then they should work on getting better with the contracts. And uh, there's all sorts of rules in there about franchise tags and all that, but I don't know. Take it up to those two. Get some strategies together. I'm not here to present a solution. I'm just saying those are the parties I need to talk to, not the owners, not anyone else. And ultimately, people say, when I'm going to pay that much, we'll take uh, a fourth stringer. Then you can either go to a bad team that's willing to pay that much, or you can choose to make less too. But I don't understand this targeting the owners or arguing about how much tickets get paid and whatnot. Take it up with your agents and take it up with the players' associations if you can get 
different structure based on the uniqueness of your position. But ultimately, I don't feel too bad for him. Oh, I didn't get paid $20 million a year. I'm only getting $10 million a year. Maybe I'll make $10 million a month less. But anyways, back to you later. Yeah, I had a little bit of a hard time hearing you with the concert in the background, but uh, <laughs> um, I did talk a little bit about that. You maybe didn't get to that yet because we're still in uh, Friday uh, as far as the calls. But a um, couple things. I should have paused it a couple times as you were bringing them up. Um, number one, I, I think it's wildly overstated the case that running backs aren't viable after their first contract. I think that's an excuse made up by people who want to make them seem like victims. Because the reality is they're getting paid what they're worth. Well, if, if, they had, if they were negotiating a contract as a free agent like in their first year, then they'd get a ton of money. No, they wouldn't. No, it's just a refusal to accept that the value of the running back is low. Period. Even if running backs played just as long as wide receivers, right? Running backs, which, you know, they, they were viable to about age 30, which running backs are pretty close to that anyways, 32, whatever. The money would not go up very much, if at all. Because again, the issue has nothing, I shouldn't say nothing, the issue is not, as people try to make it out to be, the, the, the problem with the age at the second year of the contract. The issue is the value of the running back position, period. And yeah, I mean, they can they can talk to whoever they want to talk to, but they're not going to fix the problem. The problem at its core, and this is what they are refusing to understand and, and many people are refusing to understand, the problem at its core is that you don't provide the value that you want to be paid for. There's no, there's no contract structure or renegotiation or anything that's going to change that. You will not be paid more than what you're worth, period. And as I pointed out before, while you you could have them potentially make more money if you have them restructure, for example, or only have two-year contracts instead of four, the problem is that's never going to get passed because the vast majority of football players aren't the guys whose name you know. The majority of football players are the guys who don't get the opportunities to be the guys that you, whose name you know. And they're not going to vote for that because they want four-year contracts because they're probably not even going to get a second contract. And even if they did renegotiate that, it's still going to end up being a negative because they're doing that on false pretenses, on, on false assumptions. They think that's going to make them more money, but it isn't. There's not going to be a spike in pay after year two, and what's, what's going to actually happen is you're going to have less guaranteed money. So some people are going to get completely screwed because there's only two-year contracts. In fact, I'm sure teams would also sign off on that in a heartbeat. They're more than happy to pay you for what you're worth. And they even might even start drafting running backs a little bit earlier because why not? Why not take a crack at a running back? And if he's elite, then we'll pay him after two years. And if he's not, we can cut him after two years. Done deal. Because the reality is most running backs are not worth much after those first two years. And they'd rather move on and draft somebody else after two years. So the, the only way to really fix the issue in, in a way that is substantive, right? Well, maybe you can move the needle a little bit by tweaking some stuff. Okay, but that's not what anybody's complaining about. They're not upset because they're being offered $6 million contracts and they want $7 million contracts. That's not the issue. You all, if you want to get together as a big group, fine. Get together as a big group and say, how can I provide more value to the NFL? That's what you guys need to do when you get back together. This collective bargaining stuff where we're going to get together and really stick it to their pocketbooks if they don't, you're, you're just going to hurt yourself. Find out how to provide more value to your football team and you will be paid more money. Work on your pass blocking and your receiving. That's probably the biggest thing that you can do. 
Because as I said, there is almost a direct correlation to how much you get paid and how much you impact the passing game of your football team. And if the answer to those questions is not very much at all, I am strictly a running back, then don't expect to get paid. Ryan, it's Emilio, man. I know it's been a while. Uh, I was about to tear into this uh, Culver's Double Butterburger, but just thought I'd get to pull you real quick. So Don't let it get cold on my account. Eat the burger. Just call back in a little bit later. You want to pull out your spreadsheet? I have the Packers at 11 wins. With Love at 25 TDs and Jones at 13 TDs. Um, For Joe the Janitor, I am a truther, but I did have to confirm it on Twitter. Uh, You know, once I saw him taking the family, you know, cross country in that truck, there's there's nothing you can do. That that guy's a truther for sure. Um, For a movie, I got a movie for you. It is actually a Packers movie. yeah, I, I, I guess I'll just get your take on it once you watch it. Okay. It's called the sixty-yard line or sixty-yard line. It's on Peacock. Um, it is a Packers movie, but uh, I feel like there's a lot going on in it, you know. Um, and then I just had a question before we get into this season. Now I know you are super handy, love fixing things on at the house, you know, dishwasher. <laughs> putting a shelf up, look, all that. Um, just crushing it, yeah. What is your go-to? Well, Go-to tool brand. The top three, DeWalt, Milwaukee, or Makita. Love to hear it. I mean, bye. So, by default, I'm, 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 I'm really not much of a tool guy. I don't have enough. Um, I do find myself, like, uh, <laughs> very much becoming a dad or a homeowner or whatever you want to call it, where it's like, I'm, I just want to go buy these tools. And it's funny because it's not so much like, oh, I just wish I had all these tools. I'm just, I'm so angry at not having the right tool. And part of me is just starting to wonder, like, is that a guy thing where it's just like, man, I love tools so much? Or is it a guy thing to just be like, I don't ever want to have to wonder about a tool. I honestly would kind of love to just have this giant tool set all throughout my garage. Oh, the guy from Reno 911 is on this? Oh, dang. That's kind of funny. I'm looking at the 60-yard line thing. It's hilarious. Um... Anyways, the answer to the question is Milwaukee, but only because that's what I have. I haven't compared and contrasted a bunch of stuff. I have Milwaukee, and it works really well. And a big part of the reason I have Milwaukee is the guy that I bought this house from works for Milwaukee, and he left us a little care package, which was a a big old set of Milwaukee tools, which I have used plenty of times around the house, and I I am a fan of it. Is is it the best on the... I don't have a freaking clue. I haven't touched any of the other stuff. I mean, I have at some point in my life, but not enough to just actually make a mental note and try to compare, because I just... As long as it's not a piece of junk and I don't want it anymore... I'm going to stand by it. And I have not had any issues with my Milwaukee tools whatsoever, which is rare to say. I feel like everything you buy these days is like it's kind of a piece of crap from TVs to furniture to any kind of electronics or appliances. To some degree, they're going to kind of tick you off a little bit. But um, my Weber grill and my Milwaukee tools they work just fine. But uh, yeah, 25 touchdowns for love. I think I had it kind of close, didn't I? Like 23 or something? 20, 23. I think it was 23. I can't remember. But all right, I got you down for 11 wins. We now have 10, officially 10 predictions. Ryan, Kyle from Madison, how are you? Good, how are you? Hey, I want to call in and just uh, add a little something to your response to, uh, I was talking about, you know, the similarities between the Shanahan, the Fleur offense, and boxing. And we were talking about sequencing, and Rogers, you know, 
always wanting the play to be, you know, the best play for that situation. And this is by no means meant to pile on Rodgers at all. I love the guy. Uh, but certainly one of the things I think is interesting <clears throat> is take, for example, the Fleur, and it seems like and I have, I'm only one episode in on that play callers, a podcast, so maybe they go into this, but it seems like his thing is a little bit more um, motion-centric. Um, he likes to add a little bit of complexity with motion before the snap. And if you look at, I believe it was his first year, when we had Tyler Irvin as the motion man, we had a play, I think, I think it was a three-wide, I can't remember the exact personnel, but we'd line up and we'd run it about six different ways. And every time, the first second and a half of that play looked exactly the same. And then sometimes Irvin would get the ball on the reverse as he motioned past the quarterback. Sometimes it was a run play. Sometimes it was a play-action pass. And I just remember us really cooking with that. And along with Aaron not keeping the play or, you know, whatever, do your do your adjustments at the line, but don't can it. You know, I think these last two years we heard a lot of kill, 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 can, can, can at the line all the time. All right. But one of the things he just really didn't like, and I remember him saying this in training camp, he didn't like the motion. Right. Um, in the plays, and I don't remember the exact quotes, but the sentiment was he didn't like the motion. And it always confused me because all the things we've been talking about the last few days about the importance of sequencing, the importance of getting the jump on the defense, training them to have a response, making them stop it, and then boom, over the top, as soon as they commit to stopping the problem you've created for them. And motion is such a cool way to do that where you can keep and literally keep that defense flat-footed for a second, second and a half, which is hours in the NFL. So I never understood why Rodgers wasn't down with the motion. I really hope we see it back again. All right. Bye. Yeah, and, and again, this is a lot of this is outside my wheelhouse as far as, you know, is that more of a Matt LaFleur thing than than what you're seeing around the league or with the other Shanahan guys? And would we have done more of it if not for Rodgers changing out of things? I, I do remember him saying that. And again, you know, without fully understanding his perspective on it, my immediate thought is, I don't care. You might be right. You th- This whole system might be complete garbage. It, it actually kind of goes back to, to the Joe Barry thing where everybody was like, we need to be playing man coverage. Bro, no, we don't. We don't have a system. If we're playing man, like if it's just forget Joe Barry and his scheme, let's just run random stuff. Let's just go Madden style and just start button mashing. We're screwed if we start doing that. We either get the buy-in from our players running Joe Barry's scheme, and hopefully he can figure out how to how to do a better job. All that. I'm not saying he's doing everything perfect, but it doesn't matter whether you like it. It doesn't matter if you wish that we had the Ravens. You know, DB or the Patriot or the the Ravens uh, defensive coordinator or the Patriots defensive coordinator. You wish we ran more of this, or you wish you were able to shadow guys all over the field. Jay, it doesn't matter. Be pissed all you want, but do your job. You can talk about Matt Lafleur's, you know, not doing a good a job 
play calling and I don't like this scheme. and I, It doesn't matter because that's what we're doing. It's just like, I mean, Matt LaFleur does talk about that in the play callers, about how important buy-in was. So that's essentially why he compromised. Right? That was that was what that segment was about. They're talking about how, unlike the other coaches, Matt LaFleur focused on compromise. And he talks about how you know, he, it was important that we get buy-in from Rodgers, otherwise this whole thing is a waste of time. But in some sense, to me, it does feel like a waste of time. I mean, I, again, obviously 2020 and 2021 and, and 2019, I guess, were successful years, but it's still just frustrating that, you know, it, it's got to be such a hodgepodge and it just feels like it, it could have, would have, should have been better. Because one way or another, if, if you guys aren't united, I just don't think it's going to work. And the Packers clearly weren't. I mean, the defense didn't buy in to what Joe Barry was doing. Nobody did. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't buying into what Matt LaFleur was doing. So why did we think we were going to be able to accomplish anything this past year? I don't know. But we didn't. Hey, Kyle again. Hey. I just want to follow up. So I'm hoping and I'm also guessing that LaFleur is going to really lean into the motion this year. I mean, how many house calls did Watson have last year on, on an end round or reverse? I think he had at least two or three. So, you know, the linebackers on the defense that the Packers offense are playing against this year are going to have some real decisions to make. So if you start leaning into that, that extremely effective reverse play to Watson, they're going to have to start cheating, you know, to the side or they're going to have to start having somebody trail him. And then, boom, you hit the double reverse or you hit, you know, one of the tight ends down the seam because they're bringing a safety in to try to close down the flats on the side that Watson's going. Because you know if you get a bad angle, he's taking it to the house. He, he did it in his rookie year at least twice. I remember the Bears and, and then the Eagles. He, I guess that was a slant. But, I mean, clearly you can see his speed to the outside. So, once if there isn't enough film on it now, there will be. Um, they're going to have to start cheating towards the side that he's threatening on in that short passing or that reverse game also and we haven't really talked about that because obviously he's such a deep play threat but his 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 ability closer to the line of scrimmage is going to i think make us super dangerous and then you throw in the fact that love is mobile all right hit him with the reverse hit him with the reverse and then play action boot other way when you got now, you got a 23 year old quarterback who can actually move. And then if he can't get what he wants, he's going to still have a couple reads as he's running on the boot. So, I mean, please, football gods, get motion back in this offense so that we can play to our strengths and, and not make this a complete like one on one matchup game like the later years of the McCarthy. In particular, 18, and then it feels like this last year, it was a lot of just one-on-one, you know, the, the old joke was the, the, the slant flat, you know, that McCarthy yeah. would always roll out, which hadn't worked since 14, right? Enough of that stuff. We've got the pieces, and I'm just praying that, you know, Lafleur is the coach that the management, you know, thinks he is. I think he is, and I, I can't wait because, gosh, the more I – start looking at this analytically just with the pieces we have and like how you could attack i mean they've got all the pieces they need to really do a number on some defenses i'm not saying they'll be top five but i mean they can hurt some teams with this offense too all right right i was trying to find this um 
from the last time you called. I know Clayton had posted something on Twitter about this a little bit, but via ESPN, which uh, I don't know how they're so bad at everything they do, but let's assume that they, they can do some basic counting, right, as far as motion and whatnot. Seth Walder posted this. Um, the Packers were 12th in, it looks like, pre-snap motion. So it looks like in, this is just for your uh, for your information. I'm trying to, it looks like he's maybe done this every year. Let me see if I can find more of these. So 2021, the Packers ranked 12th, 15.6% pre-snap motion. It looks like in 2022, the Packers were 9th in pre-snap motion. Now, every one of these years... All three of the other teams have been higher, San Francisco, L.A., and Miami. But the Packers did it. It looks like they climbed from like 15% up to about 22%, and they were ninth in 2022. So they did ramp up the pre-snap motion. So the question then is how much higher can we expect it to go? And I would say not a ton. In other words, the the jump that they made from 2021 to 2022, which I'm guessing nobody noticed... (laughs) is about the jump that they could potentially make from 2022 to 2023. So they went from, again, 15 to 22. And then if they get up with sort of where the, the 49ers and Rams are, you're talking 26. So you just add on another 5% or so. Now Miami is up at 44%, which is unusually high. I think San Francisco in 2021 was 44%. It's not it's not impossible that we see that giant jump. Apparently that's a, a common thing. To, I'm sure there there are... Again, there are, there are obviously reasons why people are doing it or not doing it. Right? Why did the 49ers go to 40-some-odd percent in 2021 and then drop it to 25? I don't know. There's a lot that goes into why or when or how or where or whatever that you're going to be doing that. Maybe it's Brock Purdy. Maybe he can't quite do it. I, I don't really know. So it's hard to say whether or not we're going to make a bigger jump because... Obviously, it was that easy. Everybody would just do motion 75% of the time or whatever. So I don't know what goes into this or why you do or don't do it. But I, I, I guess I'll say all this to say they, they may slightly do it more. I would guess they're pretty much topped out, though. 22% last year. It looks like 25% is kind of where this group tends to stay, right? 2021, it was the Rams and Miami were right at 25%. This past year, it was LA and the 49ers at about 25, 26%. And so the Packers are inching their way up there. They went from 15 to 21, so they'll probably continue in that direction up to about 25%. I don't think it's going to be super noticeable, though. But we'll see. But again, the, the other thing is nobody really cracks more than 40-some-odd percent. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>